Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 91 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time to listen and spend with us today. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes365. And you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. And if you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group. We've got over 2,000 members every single day talking baseball. Well, maybe not all 2,000 are talking baseball, but we've got a group of 2,000 members, and every day there's conversations about baseball going on. I saw somebody just joined today who was sent um, putting a post up, and he's trying to get a dynasty league put together, and he's trying to get some names to join a group. So if you've not played in a dynasty league, and that's real interesting given the our episode podcast today that we'll be getting to our subject, I should say, of our podcast today is it lines up well. If you're looking for a dynasty league, our group's a good group to find people to play against. Uh, we would be very appreciative if you took a few moments and left us a five-star review on iTunes and even more appreciative if you took a moment, another moment and wrote a rating for us. We've had a couple of them in the last month or two, and we appreciate those that have done so. It's just a good way to help us get our name out there. On tonight's episode, we are going to talk about the headlines from the winter meetings last week, and then Andrew and I are going to bring back a segment that we did back at the end of August, off-season dynasty trades. I put a, it out for the Facebook group based on Baseball 365, asking people about the dynasty trades they've made since the season ended. We've had some real good, good um, responses, and Andrew and I are going to cover some of those. And let's get Andrew on. Andrew, always start off with a question of the day. And you're a Cubs fan who lives near Chicago. And from what I've learned over the last few, over the years, I should say, is that if you live in that area, a lot of fans either support the Cubs or the White Sox, but not both. So before I get to my question, can you confirm that's the case? Yeah, pretty much. I'd say that's a fair assessment i uh had a roommate a few years ago uh two of them from up in that area and one of them was a cubs fan and the other one cheered for both when the, that was the year that the white Sox won the world series in 2005 and the cubs fan was absolutely disgusted with his buddy who was also a cubs fan <laughs> but he was thrilled that the white Sox won and he kept telling me oh. this is not how this goes up here this guy's a joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so my question for you is this. How annoyed right now on a scale of 1 to 10 are you with the White Sox fans in that area? Because the White Sox are making a lot of moves this winter. You know what? It's not too bad right now. And I think it's because with COVID and everything going on, I'm, I haven't seen a lot of them. So, oh, yeah. You know, I just, I'm not, I and most of the stuff that I listen to is, national you know podcasts and national stuff i don't listen to a lot of local radio so. yeah and that's different um yeah i it hasn't been too bad really you haven't had to deal with many white Sox fanboys then no not too many we got a couple at my work but no not, it hasn't been too bad now um one of the guys we play in a league with is your buddy paul tam uh how excited is he right now i know you talk to him regularly oh he's excited yeah definitely i mean They've made so 
they're I mean they're loaded. Yeah, you know, it's clear. It's clear, and um, it's I'll never like root for them, you know. But I'm not. Uh, I get it. Like it's exciting. I I'm not uh, as much of a hater maybe as I would have been five to ten years ago. So yeah, you'd be happy for your buddies yeah, if they won. Yeah, a little bit, maybe, maybe, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah, it's, I, they're doing it the right way. I mean, they're kind of building a juggernaut really. So it's exciting for them. And, um, yeah, yeah, just, they're doing it the right way. Well, let's get into the news about the winter meet from the winter meetings last week. I, we're going to try to talk on some of the headlines from it. And this was an odd year for winter meetings as everything was done virtually for the first time as compared to everybody getting together. Isn't it in Arizona they usually have that every year? Or do they have it you, in the same know, place? Uh, you know what? I don't think it's in the same place every year, but I'm not positive, actually. I, yeah, I don't remember for sure either. I know it's been in Arizona. I don't know if that's an annually thing, annual thing. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. Either way. Uh, given we have a lot of uncertainty about the 2021 season, I went into and just COVID in general and how the owners right now are saying that this was a very bad year for them financially. I went into this with very little expectations. And while there wasn't as much action as normal, I have to say I was still pleasantly surprised with how many transactions happened. What were your thoughts? Yeah, more than I kind of expected too so and there will obviously be more to come but yeah there was uh some we got some action this last week so going good you know as we were talking the beginning of last week about what we were going to podcast talk about i said we'll just see what happens with this because if we don't get enough to even talk about it i'm not gonna waste time on the winter meetings but yeah we got stuff here and we'll start with the lead and this, I think, was Monday, right at the the first day of the meetings. Lance Lynn was traded to the White Sox from the Rangers. And in return, Texas gets Dane Dunning and a lefty reliever, Avery Weems. I have to say, I really like this baseball-wise for both sides. Texas gets a cost-controlled pitcher who did pitch decent in 2021. And Chicago gets a really good number two right behind Giolito. So, win-win to me. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it seems win-win. Um, I like Lynn. I think he's, you know, just it's it's nice how many innings he can go, rest the pen. Um, I think fantasy-wise, it's maybe a little bit of an uptick for him. You don't really want to get too involved with wins, but mm -hmm. I just feel like with that team, um, he's going to have a lot of opportunities for him, especially how deep he goes into games. And, yeah, it's good for Texas, too. I mean, get something out of it. And I think Dane Dunning will be a guy that they mid the back of the rotation guy for a while. So, yeah, I think it's good. Good for both. So, yeah, I'm agreeing with you what you just said about Lynn. I mean, maybe the slightest uptick in stock, but I don't even know if it really moves his ADP hardly up at all because it was already yeah. up there, right? Yeah, I don't think it – I don't think – stock wise or whatever it changes too much i mean just uh just opportunity like i said for maybe some more wins but wins are so fickle that mm -hmm. you can't you can't like uh really 
rest rest your laurels on that, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, good for both sides. Yep. Uh, the next one that happened, I think that day or the next day, Carlos Santana signed with the Royals. He was a um, let go. I think he was de- um, released by the Indians after the season, or did he become a free agent? I think they ch- maybe they chose to decline his option because he was up there in years. He wouldn't be cost controlled. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was. Either way, he signs a two-year, seventeen and a half million dollar contract with the Royals. I'm personally of the belief that this is a bad landing spot for him. He does have a job, and that's good because that isn't a 100% guarantee. Very likely, but not 100%. But this is not a team with a lineup of real good OBP guys, not a great park. I, I, there are worse. Like, he could have signed with the Pirates, and clearly that's worse. But I don't think there are too many worse spots that I would feel about him going to where he would still have a job. What are your thoughts on Santana with the Royals? Because I know you were in on him at his price, and me too. I think I still am, but not a great spot to me. Yeah, he's, I've been saying, I I felt like he's been one of the best-priced guys in early ADP this offseason, going in like round 20, round 21. Um, As far as the landing spot, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I definitely think he's going to play. There's no, uh, there's no, there's not going to be any issues there. For sure. Um, but, yeah, it's not the greatest park. Obviously, it's not a great team. But um, sometimes I feel, I feel like the popular opinion with signings like this is people just don't like it because they want him to go to, you know, a hitter's park, great offense and all that. But, you know, maybe you look up at the end of the year and are happy with it. I mean, really what you want out of Carlos Santana, especially where – you're having to draft him this year is just counting stats just in the lineup every day. And I think he's going to do that. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it ends up, but yeah, overall, I, I don't mind it. I think it's kind of like a middle of the road landing spot, I guess. The one thing I will add is he was with the Indians last year and it's not like the Indians were this juggernaut of an offense behind, um, Jose Ramirez having a fantastic year. Lindor was even down. And yeah, it's not a it's not as big of a drop as you would think if you think of the Indians and Royals. But yeah. Slight downtick, but I, I would still be in on him at his price. Because he is definitely going late. I don't have it right in front of me at the moment, but I think he's going in like the twenty, twenty fifth round, something like that. Yeah, I got, I know I got him in round twenty in my last draft, and I think the one before he might have went a round or two after that. So yeah, ADP of three right fourteen. I just looked. So yeah, yeah it's 20, round twenty one. Yep, good stuff. Um, next up we got Rysel Iglesias, the closer for the Reds the the last few years, and he was traded to the Angels. And again, I guess I'm being a Debbie Downer here. I'm gonna say I'm. I'm personally a bit wary of closures on teams that Joe Madden manages. Part of this could be because I bought Hansel Robles in a dynasty league last year and was burned. Been burned at least one more time by Madden, a closer on a Madden team that I drafted years ago. And maybe a couple times. I can't remember if it was even more than once. I know, um, oh shoot, Walden, Walden. I drafted the closer. Jordan Walden. Jordan Walden. I couldn't remember his first name. Definitely got burned by him one year, and I thought um, Madden pulled him too soon from that role. Anyways, 
I personally feel that he's quicker to pull the plug on a closer than other managers are. Do you, Andrew, do you think there's any legitimacy to what I'm saying, or am I just bitter here? I think it's a little legitimate, yeah. I, I don't know with, with Iglesias, like, what to think. It's It's almost... I feel like, and there's been a few instances of this in recent years, but I feel like that there's closers that are drafted below the elites, but still, you know, like upper middle pack, mm-hmm. just because that people know they have, you know, quote unquote, know they have the job and they've been decent and stuff. And I feel like Iglesias is like the poster boy of that this year. And there's been some of those that have just turned into complete dumpster fires pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Two of the ones that I think about are Cody Allen from Cleveland and yeah. Wade Davis um, in Colorado. And it sounds funny to say now, but at the time they were going as like the 10th closer off the board or oh, whatever, yeah. you know, I, I don't know exactly where um, Iglesias, you know, in order where he's at on closer wise, but around that range, you know, and, I don't know. I just don't feel great about it, honestly. But I mean, saves are saves. You got. I'm sure he's going to get them at least to start. But I don't know. Just kind of leaves me a little uneasy. I think if he was my main guy. Yeah, ADP of 108. So that puts him right in the eighth round. And yeah, I uh, that's just a round after guys like Aroldis Chapman are going. You can get. Cha- yeah. I've seen Chapman going in the seventh round. Yeah, I'll just yeah. take I'll just take Chapman or one of those elite guys around earlier than I would be taking him around later, or just waiting if I miss out on those closers. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Next up, we got James McCann. He signs a four year, forty million dollar deal with the Mets. And Andrew, I know McCann isn't sexy, but if I was a Mets fan. I think I'd rather pay McCann now early in the winter for four years and $40 million than play a game of chicken with JT Real Muto and possibly end up giving him too many years on a big contract. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fine. McCann's pretty good. I think he's a little bit underrated maybe even. So, yeah, it's good deal. He um, he should be a nice bat in their lineup. And um, curious, I'm a little. I guess I'm a little surprised that they didn't, or they did it with Real Muto still out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like almost something you would do after that wasn't the an option anymore. Um, not saying it's wrong. I just that was the only thing that surprised me about it. I guess that's why I think it's so smart because that is what most people do. And then sometimes when you do that, if you end up not liking the price on the guy, you either give him too much money to make sure he doesn't go sign somewhere else or he walks. McCann signs somewhere else and you're just sitting there in the dark. Yeah, yeah. And I just think this is a smart move. So let's talk about these free agents. There's four big ones that are out there and still to be signed and that would be George Springer, Trevor Bauer, JT Real Muto, and DJ LeMahieu. Those are the big four. And there are a lot of questions on where these guys are going to sign. So, Andrew, I just wanted us to each take a shot here and guess where we each think one of these guys are going to go. We didn't ever do a full 
podcast on the four guy or on all the free agents, but these are the four big names. And I thought it'd just be fun to quickly do this before we move on. So we'll start off. I'm going to say George Springer. We'll start with here and had a, has had a great career in um, Houston so far. I think he's what? 31, 32 years old. Does that sound right? Yeah, I want to say 31, but I'm not positive on that. Loading it right now, he's 31 years and two months old. So, 31 and a half, or 31 and a half start when the season starts. Where, where do you think his most likely destination is, if you had to take a guess right now? Well, I, I don't remember when it was exactly, but it's been a while that I said the Mets, and I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, I don't know for sure. You know, I, I've i heard them mentioned, but I, God, I don't even remember. I'd have to, I could probably figure it out. But I just remember saying that it was at least during the season or maybe even, you know, before. Before new ownership um, then. It's been, a, it's been a little bit, yeah. But. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Mets with Springer. Yeah, they could use a guy like that. They got a new owner who wants to spend. They did not spend it on Real Muto to where, yeah, I feel pretty confident he's going to end up there. I think I'd, this, like to, I'd like to see him in Toronto, but. Yeah. Oh, man. That'd that, be fun, wouldn't it? It would be fun watching him play in the Rogers Center. And I yeah. know every Blue Jay fan would love to see that happen, too. Yeah, maybe not the Rogers Center this year, but. Yeah, know. that's true. We'll see. What about Trevor Bauer? I think this is the hardest of these four, personally. Well, I don't know. Him and the next one, I think, are both pretty tough. But where? I mean, where's that guy gonna go? I, no, no clue. You know what? Maybe he'll go play in Japan. I, I don't even, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even have a guess for Bauer. I don't. Have and a I think, one. I think it's just because every single team has been rumored. I mean, that mm-hmm. I. Oh, he's made every team. Rumor. I think I've heard. I think the most recent thing that I saw, there was like fifteen experts that were predicting where he would go, and the team that was picked the most was the Angels. Yeah. And whatever you want to read into that, I mean, obviously they can be wrong, but yeah, I don't know. I I really don't have any opinion on it. I'm I'm curious, but I just don't know. It's it's hard to sit there and look at all the teams around the league and try to come up with the one. And I think the Angels do seem like a very likely spot. I just I can't put my t- I cannot figure it out. I mean the Padres would be fun. I think the Cardinals would be fun and they're trying to f- but they don't the Braves would be fun to see but yeah, I think the Angels would probably be my guess also. I hate to keep copying you, but... Yeah, I, I think... mean, it's not even my guess, really. I just saw that. Yeah. I, I don't really know. I think this one's equally difficult now that the Mets did not sign him because I would have said the Mets a week ago, but what about JT Real Muto? Uh, I'm going to say the Phillies. It almost feels like he's got to go back there, right? At this point, like nobody else is going after him. I know the Phillies are crying poor right now. Possibly, and, possibly the Nationals, maybe. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think I've heard both of them, but I'll just stick with the Phillies. I think would think that they would be making a effort to lock that in, but I'm going to take a long shot here, one that I haven't even heard rumored. But Yasmani Grandal hit the free ag- or hit free agency a couple of years ago, and he was the market was cold for him, and he signed with the Brewers after going through a long offseason for a one-year deal before cashing in on the White Sox this last offseason or a year ago. I'm going to say the Brewers. I'm just going to take a stab and say they've got um oh that former Seattle catcher Omar Narvez Narvaez. They've got a ton of they've got a ton of guys. Yeah, maybe they won't for that reason, but I'm just gonna take a stab and say they maybe move Narvaez and sign him whenever his price drops enough. Or, or you know what? I could, you know, I remember this happening with guys over the years where their price drops, and finally the Yankees are like, okay, we'll sweep in and give you a deal. And it wouldn't shock me if the yeah. Yankees still did, just because the price gets so low. They're like, okay, we got to do this. Yeah, it'd never. It'll never shock me when the Yankees or Dodgers get Anybody? guys like that. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, I, I have a gut feeling it's Phillies, but um, we'll see. I mean, it's there's some teams that could go after him. So. And then there's DJ Lemayhew. I'm going to ask it this way: Would you take the Yankees or the field? Yankees. I would too. I just yeah. I, I think they've got us pay him. He means more to the Yankees than I think he would most other teams. I just yep. I just think they they fans would erupt if he left. Yeah, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense and everything he's done with them and Yeah. Fits the fits the lineup and yeah. Yankees. Okay. Well let's take a break and we're gonna come back and we will talk about some dynasty trades. All right, Andrew, I want to start off this segment with the same question that I asked you the last time we discussed dynasty trades. At this stage of the year, the offseason, how is your mindset in trades with dynasty leagues different than it is during the season near the trade deadline? And I know you already kind of said this when we did it last time, but there are probably people who are listening right now who weren't listening then. Well, I mean, when you're in season, you kind of know where you're at. You know what you need. Um, it's real easy this time of year to sit there and look at your team and say, oh, I need this or, oh, I need that. But truth of the matter is, I mean, it's a lot easier to know in the middle of summer than it is in the middle of winter exactly what you need, you know. Just because guys start getting hurt and needs arise that you may not have expected when you're just in the middle of the off season. So uh, that would be, I mean, that's kind of like the main thing for me. I just, it, I mean, it's fine to make trades in the off season, but if you kind of like unload the chamber, you know, like with all your, you know, and it, prospects like if you're trying to compete and you're trading prospects and picks and all that and you know dumping off one to this guy dumping off one to that guy 
and you just keep doing that and you unload everything, then you get in season and you have a need and it's hard to address it because you've traded all of that away without actually knowing your need, you know? So I feel like that's important to save some of that for the season. Um, I won't, I won't ever say don't make trades in the season or in this time of year. Cause I made three this week, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's fine to do, but, um, I just wouldn't advise anybody to think that they have all the answers right now with exactly how, you know, what's going to happen and how they're going to, it's going to play out. I mean, you can have the prettiest team on paper. There's still going to be guys get hurt. You're still going to have things happen that you don't expect. And then, you know, you have to have something to acquire things to help you along, you know, during the year. So, um, yeah, that's really the main difference for me with in season and during the year. And what about pitching? Or in se- in season and off season, I should say. That was one of the two things I was hoping you were going to touch on, and the other is just pitching and acquiring pitchers at this time of the off season. Do you want to mention your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I've always, I think it's fine to do that too, but um, I also feel like with pitching, especially, there's there's guys that'll be pitching really well in season and you just are willing to pony up for them because you kind of see what's going on and it kind of, um, it fluctuates more, you know? So a guy that looks like he's a solid pitcher now may not be that solid once the season starts or a guy that's a nobody now might be pretty solid, you know? So, um, I think it's, it also, I mean, with pitchers, cause they tend to get hurt a lot if you're buying them in November, December, as opposed to July, you're giving them more time to get hurt too. And not that, I mean, anybody can get hurt at any time and off season, they're obviously less likely to do that. But if there's a big amount of time, you know, or six months between now and when they're going to help you out or three, four months, whatever, um, there's just more time for that to happen. And I feel like you just put yourself at risk a little bit more. But, I mean, it's probably not a huge deal because the guys, especially now with everything going on, they're not doing quite as much of things that are going to get them hurt. And, you know, so maybe that's kind of overstating some of it. But I just, I kind of think about all those things. Like, you know, I want to have something to trade when I actually know what I need. And if like, yeah, I could trade for this pitcher in December, but I could also trade for this pitcher in March or, or April when we get close to the season. And I kind of have a vibe for what's going on. So it almost feels like every year now there's a big pitcher who shows up to training camp pitches and the pitchers and catchers are throwing for the first week or maybe the first um, preseason game and the next thing we know they're having Tommy John surgery it feels right. like this happens almost every year yep. and it would suck to pay a lot of your assets in the middle of winter to acquire a pitcher and next thing you know that guy's out for a year and a half and a pitcher when they when they have to have Tommy John their value goes in the tank for a little while it's just oh yeah their dynasty stock you're you're just kind of stuck with them at that point for at least till the next off season. 
Yeah. No, and no, granted, I get that there's times where a guy's available now and, you know, he's probably, he's going to be sold now. So you have to act if you want that specific guy. I mean, I get all that, but, um, sometimes I feel like when you have like that gap in time, there's just more time for things to go wrong. Even if it is, even if a chunk of it is the off season, especially when you're talking about pitchers. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I reached, we reached out to the Baseball 365 Facebook group, like I said earlier, and on Twitter also for some dynasty trades that have happened in their leagues this offseason. And just like last time, they sure came through, and I picked a few, and Andrew and I are going to give our thoughts on them. And for future reference for people listening, we had some real good trades, but sometimes when you get like, it gets really convoluted with six or eight players, it almost, I should have mentioned this when I made the post. It gets to be a little too much to try to talk through and listen to on a podcast. So I tried picking ones that were a little more simple. We'll start off with Adam Vega, who gave us a few trades he was involved in this offseason. And the first one he mentioned is a 16-team, 7-by-7 categories, uh, two-catcher league. And Adam gave up Christian Vasquez and landed George Valera straight up. Andrew... You and I have both been fans of Valera for a while, but in a 16-team, two-catcher league, Vasquez holds some pretty good value too. But what are your thoughts here on a trade like that where you're getting yourself a, what? what is, what? I guess I should have looked and seen exactly what Vasquez's ADP is in a redraft league. 159, so you're talking a upper middle catcher. Around 11. Yeah, yeah, upper middle catcher for Valera, a prospect you and I both like a lot uh give me valera yeah i uh i mean i think christian vasquez is overdrafted a little bit uh right now anyway um and yeah i mean at this like round 11 or whatever i probably won't won't own him this year but yeah i like valera it's like one of those things that um Obviously, with Valeria, you're dreaming on it a little bit, but at the same time, if he progresses like I believe he can and will, then he's worth a lot more than Christian Vasquez. And I just feel like you can find Christian Vasquez a lot easier than you can find those types. A lot of people disagree with that. I get it, but um, Valera is a guy I specifically like, so that plays into it too. Yeah, I can hear some guys in my ear right now who would completely disagree with that last sentence about the Vasquez and Valera, but I, I'm with you on it. I'd rather just try finding another catcher that I can get a little cheaper that's serviceable just because Yeah. It's just a it's just a the other dumpster thing fire. Is too, the other thing is too is if I have a piece like Valera, I it's one of two things for me usually. I want to hold him. Or I want to package them in a in like a deal for a bigger player. Like Bingo. I don't really I don't really want to trade them one for one for a major leaguer because I know that one for one I'm not probably getting. You know, like somebody like Christian Vasquez just doesn't move the needle for me. You know, but um, yeah, if it's a if it's in a package and it, an important piece of a package to get me a player that is really impactful, then that's different. But, yeah, straight up, I mean, just give me Valera. Well, yeah, I think that's the 
right way to say it. I mean, Valera I had in Rotomasters 2 a year ago, and I moved him in a packaging to get Clayton Kershaw. That's the type of deal you move Valera for if you're going to move him, not Christian Vasquez. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, Adam had a second trade here. Uh, he actually had a, a few of them. I'm going to mention one more of them. And he made a trade with his brother, um, who's also in the Baseball 365 group. Uh, shoot, I just forgot his name. But anyway, he gave up uh, Machado, Manny Machado, Pablo Lopez, and Dane Dunning. And he received back Glaber and Paddock. So I thought this was interesting because Machado, you and I both talked that he's on a high of in his yo-yos that he seems to be on. Glaber's on a low, but and so is Paddock right now. So this almost feels like you're buying high Machado, selling low on Glaber and Paddock. But what are your thoughts overall on this? Um, I think it's I think it's pretty even. Glaber and Paddock, obviously, you're getting younger. Uh, pretty close. I'd probably give maybe a slight edge to uh, Glaber and Paddock. Yeah, I but think, I think I think it's close. It is close. I think I agree with you though. The Paddock part is what makes the difference. We, I don't remember when we did our dynasty, or we just did a redraft. Who do you think? You'd have higher on your dynasty ranks, Machado and Glaber. Uh, probably Machado. Is it close? Yeah, pretty close. I agree. I think it's Machado and it's close to where, but I think Paddock over Pablo Lopez and Dane Dunning. I'm not even a Paddock guy, but he just got, carries a lot more value. I think. Yeah, Pablo Lopez has. He was pretty good last year, so I don't know. It's. I think it's pretty close overall. Yeah, that's a good trade. In other words, that's what we're saying. That's a good trade. Okay, uh, moving on, Justin Nolte had two trades that he brought up, uh, both of them in the Dynasty League, my other Dynasty League I play in, 15 teams with 30 MLB players, 20 minor league players. And the first trade he mentioned was all being picks, draft picks in this 2021 sub-draft, which I know some will think that sounds boring, but... Given Spencer Torkelson is going to be involved in this trade, I thought it'd be fun to talk about. Pick 1-1 was traded away for one, two, one the second pick in the sub-draft, the ninth pick, and the second pick in the second round. So second, ninth, and 17th pick. Torkelson, I know, it's funny. You don't often see an all-sub-pick, uh, sub-draft picks, but... Torkelson, like we talked about a few months back, he's clearly the one-one in these drafts this year. Would is he worth th- the th- basically three top seventeen picks, including the second pick? That's the question. Yeah, I think I um, I think Bob was involved in this trade. Was Bob the other one? I didn't. Oh yeah, you're I right. Think. You're right. I don't yeah. know if I don't know if it was with was it with Justin? Was he? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Justin and Bob Rag. Yeah, I think I think Bob got one one. Um, yeah, I think Torque's worth it. Yeah, and I think I would take Torque. I I think um, it really just depends on how much you value one nine and two two because I think in most drafts Austin Martin will go second. Mm-hmm. 
and he's really good prospect too. He's not torque, but he's really good prospect. So if you really value the ninth and the, whatever it is, the 17th pick, you can probably make the argument for it. I mean, I, I don't think it's bad or anything. It's just torque. I mean, I was thinking about this or talking about it with somebody, but I think in the last five years, four or five years, I think Torque's the most obvious number one pick. Yeah. Besides I, maybe maybe Otani the year he was, but yeah. I don't know. Like I I mean I haven't heard too many of anyone say they wouldn't take Torque one. I don't know if I've heard anybody. Uh, and I haven't listened to as many podcasts as you this off season. But I yeah, haven't I mean, heard anybody say it's it yet. pretty uh it's pretty just you know, it's it's so obvious. So yeah, I think it's worth it, but if you value nine and seventeen and you have guys that you are targeting in that range, then and you really like I, Martin. And you really like Martin, yeah. Or or, you know, Nick Gonzalez. There's a few mm-hmm. others, but um Yeah, the combination of that, you can probably defend it. Yeah. Okay, what about the second one he mentioned? Um it's funny because Justin mentioned, I don't I think in one of the chats he mentioned that the last time we did one of these podcasts, he posted a couple trades he did and we roasted him, I guess. Uh, he said that was in his words. We roasted his picks. So, now we are already said, saying we're taking did, the other side. Who would you say said that? Justin Nolte who posted oh, this one. Oh. And now we're about to talk. So now he's over three because we just said we're taking the other side, even though we're not roasting <laughs> you, Justin, but no, not at all. And I don't I mean, even the, the next one. I don't even remember which side he was on right off. I do remember this trade happening a week or two ago, but, um, Zach Grinky and James Paxton were traded in this league for the 12th pick in the next updraft for first round 12th pick and Luis Medina. I, I'll, I'm going to go first. I think this was a big win for Greenkey and Paxton personally. I, 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 when I saw this, I was jealous and thought, man, I wish I had gotten in on this deal. I, I think I could have topped it. I would, I would rather have the take the two shots on the pitchers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, Greenkey and um, Greenkey and Paxton for me. I, I mean, of course, like you're in a spot where, um, you know, where's the team, where are the teams at? And obviously mm-hmm. one of them is probably going for it. And the other one is probably trying to rebuild, but I just, I don't feel like it's enough for those guys. I mean, mm-hmm. they're pretty good major league pitchers. Um, is he mean there's two Luis Medina's that I, I don't, it doesn't matter that much, but what I was going to, I was going to make a point that if it's the Yank, the Yankees one is a pitcher, and the Bre- there's a Brewers outfielder that's Luis Medina too, huh. but I was just going to make the point that, um, like I'm I don't like trading established major league pitchers like this for pitching prospects that you have no clue what they're going to be. I I mean if it, it's a little different if it's a bat, but. Um, yeah, just trading even older pitchers, and I don't care that much about pitchers' age as much as I do hitters. I know we've mentioned that before, but um, if it's you know going from we'll just say Granky for one twelve, so like Paxton for Medina, it's like I almost don't really care if I'm competing or rebuilding. I want Paxton. 
mm-hmm. doesn't matter because <clears throat> one, I think, you know, he, he could build value from here back, you know, just getting back healthy, even though that's a struggle for him. But when he does heat up, you can move him for more. So that's just, um, kind of my thoughts there, I guess. And while you were talking, which I agree with all that, I do remember now Justin got Grinky and Paxton in that deal. So, Justin, there congratulations. What a trade. I like yeah. it. <laughs> good good trade. Uh, here, The next one's a doozy. Kenneth Hero, I don't know. I'm probably missaying that. He's been a good member in Baseball 365, I think, since day one. He shared a ch- few trades from the CBL League which is a 20-team, 6 by 6 with OBP, slugs, hold, and saves as categories. And CBL is a league where I know our buddy Lucas Beery plays in, and I think there's a few other guys we know that are in this league. So it's a pretty competitive league. And Juan Soto was traded in this league, Andrew. Let's see how the guy who gave up Soto or what who um, got back here. He got... Marco Luciano, I think you've heard of that guy. Kevin Biggio, again, OVP, so that's good. Dustin May, another guy you like. And the fifth pick in the 2021 draft. Holy Moses, that's a big trade, Andrew. Could you trade Juan Soto for that package? No, I couldn't. I was real curious to hear your thoughts on this no. one. No, I... It's it's one of those things that um, there's really no there's really no uh, price with Juan Soto that's too much. I mean, especially when it when you just look at this trade, and I like these guys. I mean, obviously, I love. Oh, there's a lot of your guys here. Yeah, I mean, I love Luciano Biggio in an OBP league is great. I feel like uh, I like him a lot less in batting average, but in OBP, he's great. Dustin May, I think he could be good, and he's already been pretty good. And then the fifth pick in the draft is nice. So all good pieces, but looking at those pieces right there, there's no top 30 dynasty player, I would say. Right now. And, uh, right now, yeah, just right now. And I, I think Luciano probably becomes that when he becomes the number one prospect or relatively soon and maybe Biggio can get there in an OBP league I get all that but you probably can say there's no top 30 dynasty asset there and Soto is top five if not top three if, if if not number one I mean he's he's the cream of the crop you know so yeah it's just um I would take Soto but I mean it's 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 far from the worst trade I've ever seen I mean it's a Pretty uh, pretty solid return, I think. I feel like you maybe could have got a, done a little bit more or done a little better, but um, yeah. I mean, I like to trade overall. I just I would take the Soto side. Yeah, that's why I asked it that way because I don't think it's a terrible trade by any means. But I was wondering you on your on your end, and l- actually, let me ask this follow up. Part of the reason you may also say this could, I mean. I think because you're so good at dynasty leagues, you're good at finding players that I think you personally, just taking a stab here, you'd rather go find the Marco Lucianos and the yeah. Dustin Mays and right. and those kind of guys than give the than give than trade a star to get one the guys 
that you're hoping to find. Yeah, and I mean, if all these guys take steps forward, you know, like if Dustin May becomes an ace or a two and Luciano becomes the top prospect, Kevin Biggio takes another step. I mean, you could argue that like those pieces can be worth close to what Soto is or maybe even more. Especially in a 20-teamer. Yeah, if they all take steps forward. But the thing is, is like, when you can get your, when you can get your, yeah, what if they don't for one? And then for two, when you can get your hands on a guy like Soto, who's just starting his career and is already a superstar, I mean, there's really no risk. And there's, I mean, the ceiling is the best hitter in the league, which he pretty much already is. So I just don't really. Like, there's no risk with that guy, you know? You're just, you have him forever. So you kind of just give up what you got to give up to get him if he's on the table. Yep. And, you know, I owned Julio Rodriguez in a dynasty league this last summer, and I moved him in a similar deal. I basically got, I got Moogie Betts as I was going for it. And I gave, I don't remember all of the details, but I know that Julio Rodriguez and Kirilov were in that deal. And I didn't, you know, I would, I'm very excited about Julio Rodriguez, but they still are not top 30 guys right now. And they could end up being that and it could look great for the other guy, but it's the same thought process. It's like, I want to get the star right that I know is a top five star right now as compared to taking the guys who have got the upside. Yeah. See, I think Betts is a little different than Soto just because of the age difference. Yes. And that the, um, I mean, not that, you know, not that Mookie's old or anything, but you could see a, a world where in a couple of years he's maybe not quite what he is now, two or three years. Oh, but, yeah, I agree. But, like, Soto just has the whole world ahead, like, <laughs> ahead of him, you know? Just, I mean. He could be an elite player for a decade from where he is right now. He could. Yeah. He, he's got the capability of doing that, especially in an OBP league. And not that, not only that, but the skill set ages so well. That's yes. It just isn't like he's just not going anywhere. So it's kind of the reason you and I have loved Bryce Harper as much as we have over the years. I mean, I just think Bryce Harper. I don't know why I'm ter- bringing Bryce Harper into this, but I think that guy's going to age well. Like I would, I th- I think five years from now, there's a good shot Bryce Harper's more valuable than Mookie Betts, and right now that's hard to for anybody to fathom. But I just think. His skill set ages better. But anyway, okay, let's move on here. Uh, Lucas Beery sent me a few more trades in the same league. I thought we'd just quickly shoot down him. Uh, Jose Abreu, again, this is a 20-teamer in OBP, was traded for Trevor Larnick, Xavier Edwards, and Ronnie Mauricio. Personally, I'm taking the Abreu side, and what do you think? Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad if you're rebuilding, but I don't like those guys that much specifically, so I'd probably look for a different package. Yes. I think that's probably my deal too. I'm just Xavier Edwards going to Tampa is not a great situation. I don't, I don't mind getting off of Abreu if you're trying to um well I don't I don't really mind getting off of him, period. Like just because, like I was kind of saying to you earlier this week, but you, you don't go up from MVP mm-hmm. at 32, at 32 or 33, whatever yeah, he is. You 33. Just, it only is going down from here. So 
um, while I do think he can maintain for a couple of years or whatever, but um, I, I just don't think it's a bad time to sell if you're not competing. You Agreed. Know? So, but I'm just, I don't think this is the package that I would have wanted. No, you and I talked about just this just the other day, and we don't know this league or the situation, but if I'm going to move Jose Abreu to rebuild and this offer sent to me, I'm just sitting longer. And yeah. this is something I I don't understand that so many people do in Dynasty Leagues. When Preach just, it, because I heard you say this earlier, and I totally agreed with you. If you're going to sell a guy and you're, you're deciding it's time to rebuild, you don't have to take an offer in the first couple days. And I think this is a mistake many people do. I'll see in a chat group, hey, I'm rebuilding. These guys are on the block. And next thing we know, within 24 or 48 hours, they're taking a deal, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I would have given more than that. That other team got a steal. And yeah. you just, I mean, you have an entire offseason, and you have more than that. Even if March comes around and you haven't gotten your deal, sit on them. I, yeah. I, I like to use this example a couple of years ago. I, in our Dynasty startup, I had Whit Merrifield. And I took him in this dynasty startup, even though I went young, because I just thought he slipped too far. And I thought, man, there's value there. And I took him and I put him on the block before the draft was even over. I was telling people he's available. And I didn't get a good deal for um, the. I should say I got deal offers, but nothing I was in love with. Uh, one owner I remember even telling me is like, everybody knows you're selling him, so you're not going to get what you're wanting. But I just sat there and held. And finally, by summertime, as people were getting in the tr at, you know, trying to compete, I got the offer I wanted. And I was thrilled with my return. You don't have to trade the guy immediately. Wait. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. I like it. It's, um, you know, some people, they just want like that instant gratification or whatever you want to call it. But it's just like, come on. I mean, if you have a guy like Jose Abreu, and you're rebuilding. I get if I know I get like wanting to sell them or whatever, you know, at, at this time, just cause it's such a good time, but you don't like this time can mean two months from now too. There Bingo. still won't be baseball going or even longer, like you said. And it's not like if you started the year with him that we expect him to be horrible out of the gate. So he's probably fine. Maybe if they see him hit a couple dingers, they might wake up a little bit too, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you could get the better offers then even than you're getting now. So it just patience is key. And God, so I just see it so much like how you just, it's like a rushed thing. Sometimes, you know, you don't have to rush and, but yeah, it's just, um, everybody kind of has their own philosophy with that, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. Also from the same league. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Brandon Kinsler, and Sam Haggerty were traded for Matt Olson. Right off the bat, I mean, there are holds and saves as categories, so Kinsler could have some value, Haggerty, but this is basically Stanton versus Olson with a couple tiny pieces put in there. Who would you rather have in a dynasty league, Stanton or Olson? And how close? It's close. Um, Probably Olsen, but it's close. And if I like Kinsler and Haggerty aren't aren't changing anything right now, if um, 
if it was in season and like Kinsler was getting saves or something where he had some type of value or Haggerty was stealing some bases or anything like that, I would take the Stanton side with those two. But that would have to be present for me to do it, I think. I mean, it's basically like you said right now, it's just Stanton for Olsen. And I probably would take Olsen just because Stanton's a DH at this point, but it's and, nitpicky. I mean, they're close. And it is OBP. I think that does help Olsen a little more than Stanton. So I think I'm taking the Olsen side, but yeah, I agree with you. It's a pretty close deal. Um, a couple more here we're going to quickly run through. Kyle Lewis, the sixth pick. This is the same league, by the way, in this next draft. And Keone Cavico for Javier Baez. So, again, this is a buy low in Baez. I should say this is a stock down for Baez, stock up for Kyle Lewis in the sixth pick, and Cavico here. What are your thoughts on Baez in this package? Uh, I think it's pretty fair, uh, depending on depending on how valuable the sixth pick is in your league. I mean, everybody, you know, one thing I I know is everybody values these sup picks differently. So, you know, there are people that don't value them at all. There are people that completely overvalue them, and there is everything in the middle. So. It kind of depends on how much you value it, if you want that side. Or, you know, I mean, there's people that are high on Lewis, down on Lewis, and same with Baez. So there's kind of some uh, volatility here, I feel like. But, um, yeah, I think it's pretty even overall. I, I think, you know, like if I had Baez and somebody offered me Kyle Lewis in the sixth pick, I'd consider it. Yeah. I don't know for sure if I would do it, but I also don't know for sure – if I would, you know, want the other side. So I think it's pretty fair. Baez is such an interesting name right now because he's coming off of a down year. His value is down. But I have also said for years that I think when it goes wrong for him, it's going to go wrong fast. The Carlos Gomez thing. I just, that's yeah. the name that always goes through my head. And is it happening right now? We don't know. This 28 is when it started happening for Carlos Gomez. But th- that doesn't mean it's definitely happening for Baez here. Yeah, see, I mean, like, it's like a down time for Baez, but I don't really feel like this is that much of a buy low. You're giving up the the AL Rookie of the Year and mm-hmm. the sixth pick in the draft. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a decent bit, you know? Especially when you consider that whatever you think of Lewis, he is younger and did just have an awesome season. Yeah. So I'd take this deal um, and I'd put Lewis yeah. on the block. That's that's what I would do. If I was rebuilding and selling Baez, I would take this deal and then put Lewis out there just because I'm not – I'm still pretty skeptical of him and what he just did, but it was impressive and he carries value. Yeah. All right, last one from this league. Uh, this is another big one. Francisco Lindor for Wander Franco and Helio Ramos. This one – you know, I asked you if you would trade the star. I think in this deal you would trade Lindor if you could get that package. Am I right or wrong? Whew, man. Yeah. That one's That one's close. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think? If I wasn't competing and I was First putting... of all, first of all, let me just say this real quick and then say say your part. I 
don't care that much about Helio Ramos in this trade. In this trade, it doesn't mean much. I mean, it. it he's a solid prospect, um, but with names this big, I always look and Helio like Helio Ramos in the right trade is a nice piece, mm-hmm. but in this trade, <laughs> he's an a, he's an afterthought. Yeah, so he's Keanu Cavaco. Yeah, right, right. I just wanted to throw that out there because I do think Ramos is good, but when you put him next to these names, it's almost like you're mostly looking at Lindor and Franco, let's be honest. Yep. If I'm not competing and I'm deciding that I'm selling Francisco Lindor, this is the type of deal I want to get. I want to get Wanda Franco. I don't want to get a bunch of pieces like we were talking about above whenever – it was different. It was Soto, but we're getting a bunch of pieces. Actually, Marco Luciano was in that deal, so that's not fair. I'd rather take the quality over the quantity. And you're getting the top prospect who everybody, I mean, he carries a ton of value. He's a top 15 dynasty asset in a lot of ranks right now. And then Helio Ramos is nothing to sneeze at. You're right. He's not He's not a big part of this trade, but he's still a nice little little piece to get yeah. on top of it to where yeah. yeah if i'm trading lindor yeah that's the type of deal i want to get yeah it's one of those things that um if lindor slips a little bit and and this this is something that like i feel like a lot of people don't think about but if lindor slips in value this trade will, will look a lot different and mm-hmm. i just don't feel you know wander isn't I just don't really think he's going to slip in value unless he comes up to the majors and really struggles. And I mean, really struggles because people are going to give him a lot of rope with all the prospect pedigree that he's got and eight, Look at you Vlad know, his Jr. hit tool. And, right. Vlad yeah. still holds a lot of value and he's a right. year and a half of struggle. A ton. Like, not, right. Not. Yeah. A ton of value. And yeah, with the struggles he's had. So, um, and it's, and it's weird because, you know, like Lindor is the superstar now, and people just never think about those guys' potential. Hey guys, sorry we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there, and this may sound a little chopped, but it's pretty close to you'll. You, hopefully, this doesn't steer you too far off track. Here's Andrew back to talking about Lindor. A slip to the second round this year, or close to it. Let's say he slips to the third round. You know, and I'm talking redraft leagues, but you get where I'm going with it. It's just like you can kind of see a scenario pretty quickly where if he's not returning first round value, then maybe the wander side to the side to go with. So it's close. I mean, I, I think that it's kind of a personal preference thing there. I don't feel strongly about it either way, really. No, it's more like I would if just I'm say selling Lindor. Yeah. My biggest, yeah, I agree with that. And my biggest thing with this would just be to tell somebody, don't let Helio Ramos dictate this trade. Just <laughs> yes. don't. And I know it sounds funny, but there are, you know, like if somebody offers me Wander for Lindor and I have Lindor and I don't want to do it, and then they say, I'll, I'll give you Helio Ramos too, I'm not really that much more tempted. It's It's kind of... Like the names are so big, that's um, that's kind of where I'm focused at with with a trade like that. That's so true. I've had some monster, I should say, big trades offered to me this off season where I was giving up a lot of pieces to 
because I'm competing in both dynasty leagues. And in one of them, somebody was offering me a, a lot of I, a pretty decent big name for some of my top prospects. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. And I finally told them, like, I'm just not comfortable doing it. And they're like, would it feel better if I knocked this last piece of the trade that really wasn't that significant in the trade off right. of it? I'm like, no, that doesn't do it. I mean, you're right. You don't let the insignificant pieces be the make or break in these deals. Right, right, exactly. I'm with you on that. Okay, I'm going to do one last trade here. Mike Cangiano commented on Twitter. He wasn't in this trade, but it was a fun one. 15 teams, 30 major league, 25 minor leagues, 5x5 five five, except with OBP instead of batting average. Jose Ramirez for Jazz Chisholm, Yandy Diaz, Tristan McKenzie, and Jason Dominguez. I think this kind of goes along with what we were saying before in terms of I, you're not getting a top 30 pick or a 30 player for your stud player, so pass. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would um, I would take J-Rim. Yeah. I mean... I think, I mean, Dominguez is a really nice piece. He's, you know, and whatever you think of him, because there's all different stuff out there about him right now with, you know, the video and stuff that's Mm -hmm. been put up and i get it you know i get it but i'm just saying that you know typically it's kind of like what we say with Luis robert or joe adele or a lot of these other guys that there's somebody in your league that's gonna buy into it so with dominguez i feel like there's always gonna be that especially if he hits the ground running once they're playing games and stuff so um that's exciting the other guys, I mean, I like Jazz, but we're talking about Jose Ramirez here too. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be some something a little bit heavier on the other side. I just feel like Yandi is almost like a just a completely insignificant piece in the trade. So and then McKen- McKenzie's a he's a nice pitching prospect, but like I said, it's Jose Ramirez. Dominguez, uh, I d- didn't plan on going this route, but you've. Have you at least toyed around with your top hundred prospects this off season yet? Yeah, where? You want yeah, to tell you where I have him? Yeah, I'm real curious on him and where he's on your list. Uh, at this point. Let me see. You can talk for a minute. Okay, I'm going to take a it. guess on where I think you'll have him, and that is at. Uh, I'm, I'm my, pulling it. I'm pulling it up. Just give me a minute. Yep, my guess is you've got him at 22. I don't know if I'm too high or too low on this. I mean, I'm going to guess I'm close with 22. 22 is your guess? 22. They're not, uh, they're not like completely final, but of course it's yeah. <laughs> running. It's they're never final. They're yeah, just, they're never. You just submit it and then think of afterwards. Nah, right. I'm this guy <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They really are never final. That's like the best way to put it when you do this. Um, I think I still have him higher than that. Yeah. I almost said 15 to 18, and then I was like, no, I'm going to go down a little lower. I've got him at 18. Okay. Okay. I was close. I was pretty close. Four off. Yeah. And I had him, I want to say, 
Actually, I have it right here. When I actually put him out, I had him at 11. Yeah. So I've moved him down a I think bit. he's moved down on most I don't, ranks. Yeah, but I don't want to overreact either. Mm-hmm. You know, like to little stuff. It's just, it's pretty, you know, everything that is out there with him that's negative is, you could make a pretty good argument that it's overreaction. Mm-hmm. Like to little things that probably shouldn't matter and if he comes out a a blaze when they start playing you know maybe he moves right back up or even higher so Mm -hmm. i don't want to ignore that um i feel like in some spots i've seen him move down too far but he's one of those guys that there's always going to be somebody buying into it so that carries a lot of value i just uh like i said with this specific trade i mean he's almost like the best piece in the trade so on the other side. So you have to just, I think you just have to take Ramirez. What's funny. I still have him in our dynasty league that you and I play in together. And there has been a lot of, I mean, since the draft, most everything you hear about him has been negative since. Yeah. And yet still, and he's moved down rankings yet. Still, I have had plenty of people bring him up when I've had trade discussions. He's still pretty highly sought after. I yeah, think people just want to get him at that cheaper price right now. Yeah, he's definitely still highly sought after, and he should be. I mean, until there's more concrete evidence of him down ticking as a as a prospect, I just, I mean, he's so young. You gotta kind of let that play out a little bit. I think. Yeah, I have no interest in moving him right now. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't in the right deal. But I just, I'm not, I think their stocks are going to continue going up from here. Yeah. No, yeah, it's totally fair. I, I agree with you. Okay. So that was our second episode of Dynasty Trading. And I think this is fun. I think this is something that you and I probably should try to do once a quarter or maybe at least twice a year when a trade deadline and once in the offseason, maybe one more time during the year because. It's fun, and it just I think I really enjoy talking dynasty trades, especially with you, because you are so good at this. I appreciate it. I mean, I put a lot of time into it, obviously, <laughs> and I really. But a lot of the thing too with with the trades, and you know, we're kind of taking these trades on the surface. But one big thing that I'll say is, you have to know your league, your team, where you're at all these things, you know, there's so many things that play into it. So, I mean, I could sit here and read off a two for two. And if you told, if you put some context to it and said, this is the situation, I could easily change my mind on the trade. So it's not always just the players involved. I mean, it, that is the majority of it, obviously, but there's, you know, depending on the situation and stuff, you can you could sway me on certain things, I think, with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, there are times you could lose a trade and it still be a good thing to do in that instance. It's happened. Um, I'm not saying you always want to be out there doing that, but there are instances where you'd be like, I don't know if I'd give that up, and then if you get a little more context, it's like, well, okay, maybe maybe it works. Yeah. Well, uh, I just we're I'm finishing up on a draft and hold, and I know we're gonna do that next week. Our buddy Chris Winder, who came on last year at this time, uh, we're, who's the one that organizes this draft and hold, 
He is going to come on next week, and Andrew, you're going to get to take the role of host again. Are you looking forward yeah. to grilling Chris and I? Yes. Yeah, I am, actually. It's fun. That was a fun show last time, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's I kind of like coming up with the questions, and I've followed a lot of the drafts. So. Yeah, you've... Um, I think Looking you've talked to, to what? Uh, there's 15 people in the draft, and I think you've at least talked privately to 16, 17 of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you know more about the draft than anybody actually in the draft. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been keeping an eye on it. I've neglected it the last couple of days, but it's it's just fun to follow this stuff in the dead of winter. There's nothing else going on, so. Oh, man, it's great. And who yeah. knows even when we're going to have baseball. This is just filling up a lot of good time right now. And it's funny because sometimes you get irritated. It's like, come on, get this draft moving. We need to keep it moving. But then again, it's like, well, what are you going to do when it's done? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess just enjoy it while it goes. But yep. we should be finishing. I think if we're on round 44 so about two or three rounds a day, we'll be finishing by the end of the weekend. Andrew, you'll get to grill us next week. Yep, sounds good. Looking forward to that. Yes, and what's funny, a little note I just thought of. Chris used to, whenever I would call Andrew on Skype for six months, I didn't even realize it, but we had Chris on one episode, and I kept calling him using that same phone, but I never even noticed that I was calling him. For about six months, he would just not answer. And then one time I called Andrew to start our show. <laughs> Next thing I know, there's a third voice. Yeah. <laughs> like, who yeah, is I remember this? That. I remember that. It kind of freaked me out for a second because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so, Chris, we'll get you back on, and it should be fun. Any final words? Definitely. Nope, I think I'm good. We don't have to do the Merry Christmas thing because we're going to get wind to run before Christmas. That's the plan anyways. So... Thank you all for listening, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed it, and have a good night. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 Podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.